Welcome to the jam session, everybody. Mark and Jason kicking it live on Tradman. Ready to uh so Jason, we were we were sitting here contemplating like what kind of show we wanted to do on Friday. And like we had various ideas and none of them were very good. And I said, you know what, man, let's just jam. Let's just Well, I mean, a couple of them were good. Um, well, most of them were good ideas. It was just all of mine matter. were good. Yeah, it was just a matter of me being smart enough to talk about it. So we're kind of limited on the show. Before we begin, we'll say our quick prayer to the Holy Ghost real quick. I'm going to go back to the Vini Sancti Spiritus, if, they, if that's uh, all good. And then uh, hopefully we'll we'll have an edifying discussion. Oh, Margo's coming down to DFW. Yeah. Uh, For how long? I'm trying to think of of where, where it's a good spot to eat in DFW, and I don't spend enough time out there to tell you. So um, Whataburger. You can't go wrong with Whataburger. Um, and if you'll look at my Twitter, um, uh at Batman Moses, you'll see the perfect Whataburger order. It's right there for you. Just go in there and show the guy that. Be Except with onions, but go ahead. Pass. In nomine patri et fili et spiritus sancti. Amen. Veni sancti spiritus reple tuorda corda fidelium et tuia mortis in acidi macinde. Imite spiritum tuum et creabuntur et renovabis facium terre. Oremos. Deus qui corda fidelium sancti spiritus illustrationi docuisti. Da nobis in iorum spiritu recta sapere, et de eo semper consolatione gadere, per Christum Dominum nostrum. Amen. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Okay, so, first question. Okay. Is this better or worse than off the rails? No idea. <laughs> oh, it's better. Well, Actually, okay. Okay, tell, tell them your Kirkland skit. It's my, okay, so, like, a, a Tradman is the Kirkland's brand avoiding Babylon. So you've got avoiding Babylon, which is this really slick, you know, polished, uh, grifter sort of a, 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 a you know they're they're they they're there to take your money and all this that and the other thing. Then the, then you got Kirkland's. Okay, is it is it the best golf ball that you've ever bought? No, but it'll work just fine. Just as good looking, Margo, and as funny. <laughs> That's right. Polished, yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> Thank you, Joe. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, I actually have had some ecclesiastical Latin training in an ecclesial setting that stuck with me and um, slick. Well, it's slicker than what we do. I mean, um, that Rob, Rob over there has got some skills. He he's um, he's much more skilled with like the computer stuff and the technology than than I am. Although Jason's got some chops. He's a young buck. And by the way, you know why I chose the background I did? Hmm. Because it's not only is it May, it is, but everybody is attacking our blessed mother What's right now, dear May. So, Our Lady of Guadalupe and Our Lady of Fatima are, are my two favorite Marian apparitions and stuff mm -hmm. like that. But, which, let me ask you, what's your favorite Marian title? Terror of Demons. Terror of Demons. I loved, I, and, and also that's a title given to St. Joseph as well. Yeah. I but didn't I, actually know that was a title for Mary. I, I knew demons feared Mary, but I thought Terror of Demons was St. Joseph, but it's St. Well, Mary. I seem to remember uh, the there's something well. in the litany of the Blessed Virgin Mary there where she's called the Terror of Demons. I might, I might be wrong about that, but um, yeah, I, I, 
I like the idea, you know, because we have our, the Blessed Virgin Mary is this, you know, very feminine, very beautiful, very motherly. You just don't think about somebody like that terrorizing a demon, but the demons are terrified of her. And in fact, uh, you know, my wife and I, if, if we start to just feel kind of a funk around the house, you know, where, and we're, and we're, we're, and we're kind of snapping at each other a little bit and we just kind of, we just kind of get the sense that there's something diabolical around us that shouldn't be here. We'll, we'll say the, the memorari or another prayer to the Virgin Mary. And that, that pretty much works for the most part. Um, yeah. But what about yours, Jason? What's your, what's Joe your favorite says, Marian title? The one that I like the most is a Theotokos. Yeah, it's, that's it, a good one. It's old. It, it just Greek. sounds, yeah, it's refined sounding and it's, you know, um, just with the history and everything, especially coming from a Protestant background, it was just something that has always stood out, you know, to me. And uh, I don't know. I just, just my favorite, favorite Marian title is Theotokos. Yeah, definitely. Um, I like it because once you say it, Protestants ask, what is that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they have no choice. Um, so big week. Uh, there were some kind of interesting items in the news. The dedication of the Immaculata, church in uh kansas the society of saint pius x dedicated what is i think the largest exclusively tlm church in at least in the western hemisphere that i'm aware of um and it was a huge success if you haven't seen the pictures uh you should definitely check those out the Society of St. Pius X has actually grown to be a pretty big religious community. I was reading something. Wasn't Rob telling me they're like the sixth largest? I don't know, but but haven't they grown exponentially since all the COVID mess? Probably. Probably, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I just... Uh, and then And then the Holy Father, actually, a couple of weeks ago, declared that they were in fact like settled that settled the argument once and for all about whether or not the sspx are in schism and he said they are not that was well he can't well he can't just say that he he, he didn't say it jason he declared it there you go <laughs> <laughs> you like the alley-oop there very good i see you i saw you set me up and i went in for the swish <laughs> um yeah so i thought that was kind of big i haven't heard a lot from the sspx since you know, all this stuff with, you know, with Tradicionis Custodis and everything happened. I guess they've been uh, just quietly reaping the, uh... Joe, were you there? Oh, 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 okay. And, and well, and yeah. Did, did anybody in the comment section go to the dedication? Um, I, if you did, I, 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 <laughs> there it is. Yeah. She Very gets good. It. So, we had this whole uh, joke, me and Jason going that that skit was the perfect explanation oh. of Traditionis Custodes and how it happened. <laughs> and basically, if you picture Creed, like one of Pope Francis's sort of uh, hang on, know. let me let me see if I could find that because I had put that on Twitter. <laughs> we about to get a copyright strike for real. Um, well, it's, it's my Twitter. Do what I want. <laughs> do what I want. Whatever I do, what I want. Um, yeah, so I thought that was pretty cool, and I thought. It's it's weird to see the way that like Francis will like 
you know, about the average trad, he'll write a letter about them in Lazorvatore Romano, shut them down. But the SSPX, he loves them for some reason. He gives them faculties to say confession. He declares them to not be in schism. And it's just kind of a strange. I think I think I will never understand Francis as as Pope till the day I die. I think his whole pontificate to me is just a mystery. Um, you know, it's a, it's one it's one step forward and two steps back. Um, <clears throat> anyway, I don't know how to do. I don't know how to search. See, on and so we need the website. That's that. There you go. There's Cameron. What's up, dog? Um, hey, what's up, Cameron? Um, yeah, that's why we need we need Rob here to teach us how to use the computer. Well, I can I can do the search on my app on my phone, but I don't know how to do it on here. Let's see. So, Jason, let me type in Michael Scott and Pope Francis, and let's see what comes up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to be fair, he might not even think the uh, <laughs> the Lutherans are in schism. <laughs> well, they're actually not. They're 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 full Protestants. They're not in schism. Uh, so they are they are fully separated. They're in a different religion. I would I would argue. Um, but anyway, uh, let's see what else happened in the world this week. By the way, you see this little red dot on my nose. I was going to ask if you got in a fight. No, um, Carissa finally okay. had enough of you, huh? So yeah. So years ago, I had um, had a sleep apnea test and had a machine. Well, I've never used the machine, right? The sleep. sleep yeah, this the sleep still sucks and all that. Well, probably a year ago, I went and got a another study done so I could get like a new machine, see if the prescription, I guess, needed to be changed or whatever from the original. And long story short, when I went to pick up the machine, they deceived me and they started charging me more months later than it was originally agreed to. So I said, take the machine back. I don't want it no more. And somebody's like, dude, you need that machine. I was like, well, guess I'm, guess I'm dying early. I'm not, you know, you know, how, you know how petty I am. So no, you're, a, you're, a, you're a guy like what we're at. Like if it's at some point, if it's just becomes a rigmarole, we'll just quit and just die. I, I, like I'll just rather <laughs> die. It's fine. So anyway, I started, I pulled out my old machine and I started using it and I had this uh, other mouthpiece, but that, that mouthpiece does not fit um, the older machine. So I had to go back to my old mask, which is since I'm, I'm a Neanderthal and I breathe through my mouth, a mongoloid. I uh, <laughs> I have this big mask and it like pushes right here, so so I'm trying to I'm trying to take better care of myself. But I, don't I have know a question, and I and this is not something that I have checked out on Katina, although I should, um, because they have the answers. But in the Bible, um, Jesus says which, at some which point, Bible, um, the Holy Bible. What do you mean? Are well, the the well, it There's doesn't matter. Any, any, it, yeah. There's no particular <laughs> version that. Um, just, hang on, I, I guess I better figure out whether. Um, just say shut up, Jason. Yeah, just shut up, Jason. Um, there's some reports where Jesus says, "What does he say?" John fourteen twenty eight. The Father is greater than I, and we know that our Trinitarian theology teaches us that that all three persons of the Holy Trinity are equally God and. Not no, one is not greater than the other. So, hey Lou, no concealer can take care of this. <laughs> <laughs> Lou, we've been trying to conceal that for a long time, and it, nothing's worked so far. Um, <laughs> I'm just teasing you, Jason. Uh, so, so what? What? Why does Jesus say the Father is greater than I? 
No, that's that's actually a tough one. Now let's go to Katina. Let's see what the. By the way, if you don't know about this app, guys, there is an app called. Katina. Okay. By the way, I found. Sorry, I found the the tweet. So when we're done with this, I'll pull it up. I mean, I know you're talking about serious stuff, and I'm over here talking about my. Oh, Scott. I just that's you can yeah well whatever I, i'm not talking about i mean i am talking about serious stuff but i'm just listen man i'm just trying to fill up space on the live stream all right <laughs> but see this this mask is like giving my nose reconstructive surgery it's like changing the shape of it too oh really i don't know i just said that but well okay so in john 14 in uh, verse 28 jesus is um He's talking about the indwelling of the father and the son. And then he says, you have heard me say to you, I am going away and coming back to you. If you love me, you would rejoice because I said, I am going to the father for my father is greater than I. Um, and then, so you, you come across a mysterious uh, passage in the Bible like that. And you think, oh boy, what's this mean? What does that do? And you're, you're on your little Katana app here. You just click on the verse and it will bring up commentaries from all the church fathers who have ever written anything about that particular line of the Bible. How cool is that? Let's see what Cyril of Alexandria says. You learnt, he says, from no other lips than mine, my departure hence, for you heard my sayings with your own ears. That what I have said, who cannot lie, I promised unto you. I go away and I come unto you. If then his words had threatened that his departure would leave them comfortless and that their bereavement would be eternal. It was very likely they would have thereupon be dreadfully dismayed and find it unbearable and into the excess of despondency. And whereas I said unto you, not simply that I would go away, but I would come again in due season. Why then he says, do you let them go to your hearts? Wow, this is, none of this answers my question. Okay. George so Leo, what, 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 what verse is that again? I'm a, I got it. Right verse 20, John 14, 28. Um, okay, so I'm going to share the screen while you're doing so because some people Irenaeus are of Lyons said, For if anyone should inquire the reason why the Father, who has fellowship with the Son in all things, has been declared by the Lord alone to know the hour and the day. Ah, interesting. So Irenaeus of Lyons believes that what Jesus is talking about there is simply because God the Father knows the day and the hour of the second coming. And so, thus, so if you've greater. Yeah, so if you go, what 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 verse was it again? Twenty eight. Fourteen twenty eight. Oh, I switch it. So well, you're you're in yeah, you're if, in Matthew's yeah. Gospel. If you if you, well, I guess I backtrack. But for people watching, yeah, you go to katanabible.com and then you, of course you'll f- pick your verse that you're looking at. And when you click on it, it brings up on the side over here the different um, father's commentary on it, which is which is really cool. Like like so, I use this and it gave really good insight into the um where it talks about deacons and bishops uh or, or elders being the the husband of one wife right so right. growing up we we had elders in our churches growing up because they were autonomous churches but one of the stipulations was they had they could only be the husband of one wife because of that husband or, or because of that verse i mean so I, I i always kind of struggled with that through my conversion but then i read uh i actually read this in the commentary on it some of the church fathers and made it pretty clear saying that it's not saying that they have to be married, but if they were, they couldn't have been 
divorced and remarried, basically they, they could only be the husband of one wife. Um, so it doesn't rule out the fact that maybe they weren't married, you know, or deacon or, right. or, or Bishop, but, uh, yeah, it just gives you, you like, it gives you a little bit of insight into what the men who were putting these books together are thinking about while they're, you know, what are they thinking when they, when they're reading this stuff? Yeah. And, um, yeah, it just gets you a lot of really good, really good insights into things. This one from uh, George Leo Haydock says that the father is greater than I is referring to the common exposition. Christ here speaks of himself as made man, which interpretation is drawn from the circumstances of the text. Christ being at the time going to suffer and die and shortly after rise again and ascend into heaven, all which agree with him as man and according to his human nature. But the Arians can take no advantage from these words. Um, the father may be said in some manner to be greater than the son. If we consider the order of the divine processions, that is that the father is the first person and proceeds from no other. Whereas the son proceeds from the father. If anyone says St. Chrysostom will contend that the father is greater inasmuch as he is the cause from which the son proceedeth, we will bear with him. And this way of speaking, provided he grant that the son is not a different substance or nature. So, well, and uh, prepping for heaven here says when Jesus said that he was speaking, said that he was speaking as a man, not as God. Hmm. And if you go to uh, Lapti here, um, it actually he writes here, and I think it's along her line of, of thought here. Um, it says, "Where I lost it now." Uh, so, for my father is greater than I. This was the great stronghold of the Arians, by which they sought to prove that the Son was not God, but the highest creature of God. But Saints Athanasius, Augustine, Basil, and the rest of the fathers admirably reply to them that Christ is here speaking of himself, not as God, but as man. And then it goes on to say more. So it kind of goes along with what Prepping for Heaven is saying here. And and did I hear you right that you said uh, one of the commentaries was, uh, it was because he did not uh, know the time or hour of... of um, That's, uh, that is the, the, end. the commentary from Irenaeus of Lyons that... Um, that the father has been declared by the Lord alone to know the hour and the day. But I like this idea that th this, this line that prepping for heaven and you were just going down because it also speaks to a fundamental truth that I believe the Oriental Orthodox do not agree with us on. And that is Christ has two natures. Yeah. He has two distinct natures. He has a human nature and a divine nature. And those two natures are not, muddled up together into one i think i think what the oriental orthodox believe and i could be wrong so if there are any um you know coptic orthodox or anything like that listening please uh, you know bear with me i think what they think is christ's human nature and his divine nature are so inseparable they're muddled up into some sort of super being nature that is unlike anything else and that might sound like a really really fine point of distinction but uh, the Catholic Church is quite clear that Christ has two separate distinct natures, a human nature and a divine nature in one divine person. And, you know, so that that's one reason I I still I, I've heard better reasoning the past few years from from Catholics. But that's one reason that I 
don't get into all the end time stuff because in a broader sense, yes, we're all, we're in the end times. We have been since the apostolic age, right? We're, we're, we're in the end time. But when people try to predict that things are so bad right now that we're right here at the end, or, you know, they may go to different prophecies of of different saints or visions or whatever. Like I said, I, I don't necessarily dismiss them, but if Christ said only the father knows the time and hour and that it comes as a thief in the night, meaning that nobody knows the time except the father, it will take everybody by surprise. That's why I don't get into all that. Cause I'm like, if Christ said that himself, that, you know, when he was here, only the father knows the time and hour, then what nobody else is going to be even close. If Christ. <laughs> yeah. That's know, not something I don't think it's even that. something you should be trying to figure out. I think I think people who try to figure that stuff out. There's two types of folks who. And I'm not even so sorry. And I'm not even talking. I'm not even talking about the people like the Jim Jones Kool Aid type. I'm not talking about the ones that are predicting exact times. I'm talking about more in the broad sense where people are like, "Well, things are so bad that you know we have to be in the end times. Like it's it's imminent." Well, Well, Saint Saint Paul and them were right in that it was imminent two thousand years ago because, like I said, in a sense, you are in the end times, but. I don't know that we're any closer now than they were 2000 years ago. You know, we could have another 2000 years before the end. Who, who knows? And Jim Jones, by the way, was a communist, not a, not, not a, uh, a, a Christian zealot. Uh, <laughs> that's an important thing to know about. These I'm glad, I'm, I'm glad to say, I don't know much about him. Besides people's temple, <laughs> people's temple gets thrown around a lot as look at the dangers of religion. And I'm like, okay, but these people were communists. And as soon as you bring that up now, it's not an example of anything. Uh, you can't get that that doesn't mean anything and that, that, this this whole it's like you were just religion. using that <laughs> to whole, show how all religious people are crazy and this whole danger of religion is the most absurd thing that people use right yeah i know because it's it's like look at what atheistic religions you know i know they don't like to say it's a religion but but as a, one it of is. our one of our good friends they, they have all the the things necessary to make a religion and it actually takes more faith than some of the things that they believe. <laughs> yeah. But um, look how much more damage they have done in the world than, quote unquote, the dangers of religion. I just can't. Yeah, I mean, I, one of the things we can we can definitely say now is that getting rid of religion in the idea that everybody will just become more rational and 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 skeptical and scientific and peaceful and we will we will embrace we're living we em- it right now we will embrace nonviolent dispute resolution skills and there will be no war now we now know that all of that was crap yeah we're living I mean, the result can't of look that. out into the world now and see that okay clearly that is not true I no mean, it, clearly it, it, that's not true and the scary thing is, is that our society is not, as a whole, I'm talking about general terms, is not completely devoid of religion because you still have a lot of religious people out there. A lot have fallen off the books, and you can see, you know, I guess the point I'm getting at is, look how crazy times have gotten, and, and we're not even at, at zero yet. Yeah. You know? Well, and 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 the problem is, is the for the vast majority of what we would call religion in this country, this country has this weird thing where it makes religion suck. It, it, it just, it saps it of all of its vitality and its, and its youth and its joy and its power. And it makes it into a sing song 
performance that you forget about literally five minutes after you leave. And it's not something you're going to dedicate your life to. It's, it is absolutely something you will skip on Sunday if you just don't feel like going. And so consequently, you know, we, our country, well, a, like we haven't outlawed religion like the Soviets did. Yeah. We don't need to. We just make it stupid. And then you just won't go all on your own. Well, think yeah. about it. I got, I mean, what you're describing is the natural end of Protestantism, right? Yeah. Did I say it right? Protestantism. Protestantism. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's the natural end of it because you, you ultimately start out, you know, when it started that you were, that you were the authority on what constituted proper worship and proper religion to the point now where it ultimately comes to the end where it's a religion of self. I mean, that's what Sola Scriptura is. I, I say that on Twitter a lot recently, but it is. Sola Scriptura is a religion of self. It's a belief in self. It's a belief that I have higher authority than God himself to properly interpret Scripture because God has given us that interpreter of Scripture. It's very plain in Scripture itself. Scripture says that the church is the pillar and bulwark of truth, depending on what translation you read. It may, it may say bulwark or not. But the, the point is, it is the pillar of truth. And for you to sidestep that is saying that I know better than the institution that God uh, instituted. And it's it, it really is. See, I think what's going on, though, is something different than Protestantism. Because I think Luther... Luther and Calvin's view was that not that everybody can decide the Bible for themselves, but their view was uh, now this is still an erroneous belief, but I'm going to try and yeah. state their beliefs as I think they would state them. Um, the Bible, God's word is so abundantly clear that it will speak directly to the individual Christian without a need for an intermediary or an interpreter Um and interpreters get in the way because they uh, they interfere with God's direct message to the faithful. And so people, you know, people will all come to the truth if they just approach the Bible all on their own. Totally erroneous. And it didn't work. Yeah. And that wouldn't that would not. I think what's happening now is modernism, which is different than Protestantism, but in one key aspect. The modernists really do believe you can invent, everybody can invent their own truth. Yeah, but so I'm going to push back on you on that because I, I, unallowed, I guess, not yeah. allowed. <laughs> Third excommunication. Um, um, hang, hang on, you can push back in five. Okay, go ahead and push back, Jason. Um, okay. <laughs> Sorry. No. Now, I, I agree with you in the sense that in the beginning with Luther and Calvin and them, it wasn't such you know, it didn't get off track so much that it is where it is today, but it's the natural end of their ideology and their thinking. Sure. So, so like, like you take um, Calvin and Luther, they came out and they said, I know better than the church. Cause when I read scripture, this is what I see. It is plainly evident to me. So it's yeah. I, 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 me, me, me. Okay. Well, maybe it didn't go off course real crazy, but, each generation, as they say with children, each generation will typically take what their parents did and take it a little bit further, a little bit further, a little bit further, right? And uh, so that's what happened in the, in the Protestant sect. Well, that's when, that's when we, we started, may not be and, disagreeing at all because uh, you know I, I was saying I think the problem is modernism. Well, what is modernism? It is the synthesis of all heresies. 
Yes, that's what it exactly, is. exactly. And, so that's what and, you're saying. It's that. So. And and the thought behind that started the Protestant Revolution is what brought us ultimately modernism and where we are today. So really, the the rebellion uh, in the 15 was it the 1500s? Yeah, in the 1500s against the Catholic Church mm-hmm. really has got us to where we are today. And and I don't mean to pick on any of our uh, Protestant brethren, you know, that may be listening because I used to be a Protestant myself. But I can't deny the fact that it was our way of thinking that that has brought us down this road. Because again, e- even when I was in a Protestant sect, it was it was always coming down to what I what I thought, right? So even among the Churches of Christ members, we may disagree on stuff, and we would talk about it, and we would say, "Okay, well, I think this uh, because of X, Y, and Z. This person thinks this on this verse, mm-hmm. and it didn't even have to necessarily be fundamentals of the faith, right?" Right. But but ultimately, if we disagreed, guess what happened? Well, you believe what you want because it's not a matter of salvation and I'll believe what I want, which is not a matter of salvation. And maybe that's true. You know, maybe ultimately it wasn't a matter of salvation, but it's erroneous thinking in the small things that can lead to erroneous thinking in the bigger bigger objects of faith, which is exactly how sin works. It starts out small, you know, like a little white lie. And can and if you let it manifest itself and and everything, it will ultimately turn into bigger, bigger sin. So that's why that's why I think that the Protestant Revolution was was so dangerous, and, and it still is. There's a um, there's a story in Acts. Okay, this is when this is the Council of Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. When and I'm trying to find the actual verse, but um, and I wish I could. If you can tell me when the council of where the council of Jerusalem happens in the book of Acts, I would. Uh, I believe it's Acts. Is it Acts six? Let me see. No, I think it's later than that. Let me see. Yeah, it's later than that. But um, let me see. Actually, I thought oh. it was like in, here. It is fifteen. Fifteen. Um, yeah, that, that's right. And you know that it says it says in in fifteen five in Acts. Some of the party of the Pharisees who had become believers stood up and said, is it necessary to circumcise them and direct them to observe the Mosaic law? The apostles and the presbyters met together to see about this matter. After much debate had taken place, Peter got up and said to them, my brothers, you are all aware that from our early days, God made his choice among you that through my mouth, the Gentiles would hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, who knows the heart, bore witness by granting the Holy Spirit, just as he did us. He made no distinction between us and them for faith. He purified their hearts. Uh, the whole assembly fell silent and they listened while Paul and Barnabas described the signs and wonders of God and works of the Gentiles through them. And then uh, on the next uh, chapter, where's the, the, the uh, I'm sorry, the, I wish I could find the part where he says that they've delivered the letter, but, I wish no, it was in 15. Anyway, I'm losing my mind here, guys. Um, and after much debate had taken place, yes, 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 yes. On the contrary, the whole assembly fell silent. Okay. James responded. Oh, here we go. I missed it. <laughs> um, but tell them by letter to avoid pollution from idols, unlawful marriage for Moses' generation. Then the apostles and presbyters, in agreement with the whole church, decided to choose representatives to send them to Antioch. Um, and this letter delivered by them, since we have heard some of our brothers who went out, SSS, it is the decision of the Holy Spirit and of us 
not to place you on any burden beyond these necessities. Now, this is a very key phrase. This is, I'm reading 1528. This is Acts 15:28. It is the decision of the Holy Spirit and of us. In other words, the church got together at Jerusalem and said, we're going to make the determination. This is not something that we've, that God, that Christ told us in secret while he was here. Then he went away and now we're going to reveal it to you. We, the church, have made the decision with the Holy Ghost not to place any burden on you beyond these necessities. Now, why in the world would they think they had the authority to do this? Because Christ told them that what you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. What you allow on earth will be allowed in heaven. This actually harkens back to the garden. Remember when God said to Adam that he had the authority to name all of the animals and the trees, and then God agrees to call them by those names. Yeah. It wasn't God saying, you can call them whatever you want, but then, you know, I'll just know what they really are. He told Adam, call them, give these things a name, and then I'll call them by that name. Whatever you bind will be bound. These are, this is what God did not create us just so that we could grunt and sweat under a weary life. He created us so that we could rule with him, so that we could rule all the earth with him, under him, you know, on his behalf. And of course, what happened in Eden happened. But it's very interesting that the church made that decision. It is our and, decision. And, and that verse uh, or that chapter, um, the Council of Jerusalem, played a very important role in changing my line of thinking during my conversion from being a Protestant to the authority of the Catholic church. Right. Mm -hmm. um, real quick. Ep Epo Rose. And, and that is, that is true because that was one of the biggest yeah. debates that we had in our denomination with other denominations. We believed that baptism was necessary for salvation. Whereas most Protestants, that was a big point of contention. And again, who's right. Because right. they, they point to verses that talk about faith. We point to verses that talk about baptism. Well, who, who's right? But the scripture, if, if, if you use it in the wrong way, can, can, can lead you down the wrong path. And that's what the church is there for. It's like a bowling lane with bumpers. You're allowed to explore whatever, but the church is there to say, no, you're going too far. Come back in. You know, and of course, and there's the also some things in the Bible that are not clear from the text that need interpretive exegesis. Well, St. Peter writes that about St. Paul's writing. There are some things that are that St. Paul writes that are hard and difficult to understand and ignorant, basically ignorant people twist it to their own destruction. Um, well, or even or even just like things like honor your father and your mother. OK, what does that mean? The text yeah. doesn't say we need an interpretive. We need the church to know. What's that, what does that mean? Because we're clearly, it's a commandment. It's not a suggestion. So you got to, you got to do it. But the text doesn't say exactly what that means. It's, it, and that's not, that doesn't mean there's a defect in the Bible. It just means, you know, like example, like the example I give when we talk about the constitution, you know, the, the right to keep and bear arms, which arms, all arms in all places at all times. I can, I can bring my, I can bring it. I can own a nuclear weapon. No, obviously. Okay. Okay. So What's that mean? Well, the text of the Constitution doesn't say. We need an interpretive body, and the founding fathers understood this, and they provided a Supreme Court. Well, in and that very document. I mean, this is and, 
And in that case right there, times, people, technology, and everything evolves and changes. So yeah. you, you have the courts to what they're essentially supposed to do is to rule on the meaning, you know, as, as it existed at the time, as as it exists. And same thing with the church and and the scriptures, time, people, place, the technology change. That doesn't mean morals change or stuff like that. But I mean, you've talked about in the past many times about how Vatican two had a document on modern technology and how to interact with it. Yet they, and you've said this, I'm still in your phrase here. Yet they could have never have predicted the world that we're in today with social media, internet, the, the word cell internet phones, doesn't appear that. in that document. No. Why the hell would it? It was in Britain in 1962. So, so the, so the <laughs> point being that the church ha- as times evolve, they have to come in and say, okay, well, this is, this is the moral role. This is the right role. This is the path to follow because right. with that, without them, people are just get totally confused and out of whack. I, I do want to go back real quick to Acts 15. Mm-hmm. The reason I the reason that was so important to me was because, so in our denomination, we were real big about um, going back to the first century, trying to emulate the first century church. We, the a common phrase was we speak where the Bible speaks and silent where the Bible is silent, so on and so forth. And like you would have to have, in order for something to be valid or licit, for us to do in the church, you would either have to have command example or necessary inference. Now, my question is there is, there is an explicit example of a council of the whole church for the whole world in, in the Bible. Yet we're telling people within this, then the churches of Christ that no, we're each L, each group of elders is responsible for their church is autonomous. I can't tell this other church what they need to do and so on and so forth. Yeah. Now, but if you're using that framework, well, then you should be having councils because I think a lot of Protestants have this notion that when the apostles went to a town, they spoke, that was it. Nobody argued with them. Okay. <laughs> or, or there was no debate among the church, so on and so forth that, you know, that, they were the authority, the, the final right. authority, I, I guess you want to say. I mean, they were an authority, don't get me wrong. But what you see here is Paul and uh, who, who was the other one? Uh, was it Barnabas? Yeah. They, go, they go to Jerusalem. Now, if this was an issue, why didn't Paul and Barnabas just rule on it and say, nope, this is it. This is the way it's going to be. This is, this is the right path. Because God is giving us an example of the whole church coming together as a council. So not 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 yes. only that, not, not only that, you have them come together with the other ap- apostles and elders, and they have a debate, a heated debate right. over the, over these topics of circum. But, uh, what was it? Circumcision, but, eating meat. But here's my problem with the with the synod and the synodality approach. You talked about the whole church. Is the whole church in this book having this debate? Because in verse two, it says that these questions that Paul and Barnabas and some of the others went up to Jerusalem, not to ask a bunch of lay women these questions. That's actually not what it no, says. No, it no. says the apostles and the presbyters. That means there is a hierarchy in this organization. I mean, it is clear as day. Yeah. Well, yeah, and the, it, and, it, the it, and the bishops and the priests are the teaching body of the church. There is nothing in here. Paul and Barnabas are being very anti-synodal here. And I think somebody, I think they ought to be written a very strong letter in Lazarvatory Ramon. 
no, but, about how but, anti-synodal they're being. But the but the but the final point that I was getting at with that is, yeah, they come together, the elders, the bishops, the presbyters, whatever you know. I know those are interchangeable, and the apostles they debated and they did all these, uh, you know, had all these arguments and whatnot, and they finally made a ruling for the whole church, for the worldwide church. And uh, it's there in scripture now. And if you take a lot of low Protestant type churches, low liturgy type, you know, I think the Lutherans and Anglicans and all them, I think they still have at least conventions together. Um, uh, But the Orthodox still have synods. Yeah, well, uh, ecumenical councils. We're we're not invited to them. And but I'm but I'm I'm just I'm just strictly talking about about Protestants. But they will their argument to you will be that these councils and all that have a no authority and b they're not biblical. Why are they coming together? It's literally there in Acts 15. It's literally there in Acts 15. And and the guy who settles the debate is Peter. So. That tells us a little bit something about his role in this group of bishops and and presbyters, and you know I, I yeah the the idea and I just I love the way that that the church's first teaching document says they didn't say we it doesn't say we prayed about what the Holy Spirit wants and we're we were unsure but we talked about it amongst ourselves and we think that. This is what the Holy Ghost wants. That's not what it says. It says it is the de- it is the decision of the Holy Spirit. We have the authority mm-hmm. to say what is the decision of the Holy Spirit. We can't. We don't. We don't just say it. we. We're pretty sure this is what we God de- wants. We declared it. Yeah, they didn't just say <laughs> it. They declared it. Um, <laughs> it is the decision of the Holy Spirit and of us. Whoa. You have basically just said, God and I made a decision together about you. Now, these men would never have said something like that unless they knew it to be true because they had received instructions from the master. What you bind will be bound and what you allow will be allowed. What sins you forgive will be forgiven and what sins you hold will be held. And it's right there in black and white. Acts 15, 28, the decision, it is the decision of the Holy Spirit. What an amazing line to write. I, you know, Moses, Moses did not come down from Mount Sinai and say, it is the decision of Yahweh and myself that you will not eat pork anymore. He he didn't do that. He just said, the Lord, our God commands and we got to do it. I don't this don't blame me. This isn't my decision. I didn't do anything. I don't have anything to do with this. But this is different. Christ has destroyed death forever. It's gone. Oh death, where is thy sting? By the time the Acts is written. So now the Catholic Church has full authority to say what is the decision of God. And it's our decision as well. That's powerful. That's powerful. That's incredible. Why on earth would you not want to belong? To, well, I know there are probably reasons why people don't want to be Catholic right now. I get it. But that right there, that's incredible. That kind of authority. Boy, man, we are we are not doing so hot. We had 13 oh. at one point. Now we're down at three. I know. That's because I started talking. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, it's Friday night. People got other things to do. It's, yeah. it's almost nine o'clock. They want to go to bed. 
Oh, we're not going to bed. We're staying here. We're going to be keep, we're going to be keeping you oh, company all night. Oh, oh yeah. Right. It's the quest. So, so changing gears for a minute since I have this up. All right, we're, we'll pivot. We'll pivot. We'll pivot for a second. Let's see. Okay. So, going back to Pope Francis and Michael Scott. I put this <laughs> I put this on Oh, the I numbers put, are coming back up. Here we go. Yeah. I put this on Twitter what a year ago. Uh, what do we know? Almost a year and a half, I guess. Roughly, I don't know. Whatever. Um, so Mark wasn't on Twitter at the time, and he sent me this, and I thought it was funny. So I write for Office fans: Think back to the bankruptcy bankruptcy episode where Michael is in trouble financially. In this comparison, Michael is Pope Francis, though Pope Francis' problem is traditionalist instead of money. Creed, as the Pope's advisors, just declared the missile of Paul VI is the only form of the Roman rite. All your problems go away. <laughs> Tob- <laughs> Toby traditionalist comes in later. You know what you can't, uh, you know that you can't just say the missile of Paul VI is the only form of the Roman rite and expect that does anything, right? Pope Michael Scott, I didn't say it, I declared it. <laughs> Pope Francis seems to view traditionalists the same way Michael Scott views Toby, <laughs> which for offense fans, for which for offense fans, Michael Scott hates Toby to his core. He said on he said on one occasion, if I if if an elevator door opens and I have Osama bin Laden, Adolf Hitler, and Toby Flinderson, and I have one gun and two bullets, I would shoot Toby twice. Yeah. <laughs> so it goes on to say. Michael Scott, who represents Pope Francis, to Toby, who's traditionalist, represents the traditionalist. Why are you the way that you are? Honestly, every time I try to do something fun or exciting, you make it not that way. I hate so much about the things that you choose to be. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, I've heard that joke also about the elevators. I've heard that joke about a liturgist, too. So if an elevator door opens and you have Adolf Hitler, Osama bin Laden, and a liturgist and one gun and two bullets, what do you do? You shoot the liturgist twice. So, Mar- Margo, let me tell you what I made for dinner tonight. Never cooked it before. Never. D- well, besides the rice, the yellow rice, I've cooked that before. So what I did is I bought a little over three pounds of salmon. Right. And I don't want to hear that it's salmon. I don't want to hear all that stupid garbage. OK, that's salmon. our there's, show, everybody. I'm going to take Jason so, off the air. So I did. I did that. I, I put it in the oven. I cooked it. I took some asparagus. I sauteed it with just some olive oil, salt and pepper charred it real nice it it was legit i'm about to char you real nice i'm about to char you real nice say the name of that fish again salmon there's an l that's it you're out of here that's it your excommunication stands so anyway we're not gonna listen to people he's talking it doesn't even know that he's off the screen yet (laughs) margo i hate seafood let me be 100 percent honest with you i have gotten so back during Lent, <gasps> wait, Lou, you've got to go see the office. Friends, okay. sex in the, you, skip, says, skip I, friends and skip sex in the city. That yeah. show is crap. I've actually, I've, I've seen friends, never seen sex in the city. Don't care to, but the office, the office is great. Money. Um, and you will, and you will understand like 90% of our dialogue now that if you've watched that show, because yeah, me and Jason all day are just quoting the office. Um, what was I going to say? Oh yeah. Seafood back during Lent. We had a friend come into town for rodeo. I don't know. Oh, I'm not, absolutely I, not. Absolutely not. Seinfeld I'm was not, terrible. I'm not, I would say Seinfeld was terrible. Yeah, it was terrible. Oh, okay. I didn't get it. I didn't like it. I didn't like Seinfeld. Um, 
had a friend of mine come to town. We're going to go to rodeo that weekend. And we decide it's, he comes in town on Friday. So we make a seafood pie. I got so deathly. That was the food poisoning, Jason. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I prayed for death and death would not come. So yeah, I don't eat seafood either. I think, I think that's disgusting. I mean, you I do, it's... but ugh, hate it. and he's gone. Okay. Well, it's been nice. <laughs> Well, and dude, he's not even he's not even in the green room. He just left the chat. He'll be back here in a minute. He did something. Yeah, pasta Fridays. Uh the wife and I went and had cheese pizza, uh, which was nice. Um, but yeah, I if I can avoid seafood, I do like fish and chips if I can find like a good British pub that does it right. Uh, sorry. Oh, he's back. sorry. Welcome back. I, I was trying to close this other window that I had open and close the whole thing. <laughs> um R.I.P. Jason. Yeah. <laughs> Why are the numbers up to 20 now? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> He's gone, folks. Come on back. Yeah. No. So uh, I, I take it you don't like sushi. I do like sushi. I yeah, like Dude, I said, I, that's one of my favorite meals. So I was in Australia. One of the time I've been there two dozen we, times. Let's go get sushi. Oh, that's one of my favorite meals. All so right, I, I'm in. I'm going to take you to a spot too. I know. I know the spot. So. I've been I've been to Australia quite a bit, you know, like I said, at least two dozen times at a minimum. But Ooh. there was this, there was this the reason I say that is because there was this restaurant. It was like a it was basically a sushi train restaurant, right? Yeah, I, I love those. I go to sushi chichu all I went the time, there, man. I went there so I had a week in the city Adelaide before I went out and worked in the outback. And uh I went there every single day. A couple of days, I went there twice for lunch and dinner. And the people were like, hey, you know, we got a frequent diner card to save you some money. I'm like, oh, oh I'm leaving tomorrow. They're like, oh, you don't live here? I said, no, nah, I'm just – I, w- I wouldn't be able to afford this much sushi <laughs> if I was paying for it. Okay, yeah, I was say, the company's paying for it. I'm not interested in saving them any money. <laughs> no, no. I, I stayed within my budget. I wasn't cheating the company, but – like I said, it's I, okay. I also, we're gonna go I, for. Se- I, I also can't spend seventy five dollars a day in food, which is our meal allowance every day. So, so Jason and I hang out. We we we're we're buddies. We live in the same town. We go to the same parish. Better we're, than Trent Horn and yeah, Matt Frat. like Trent Horn and Matt Frat are so full of it. They're oh, we hang out. We're we're best friends. We're just like the trad men. Get <laughs> a life. Just you in case too. anybody's wondering, they literally said that. Yeah, they that, did. They're, that they're is like, a quote. Yeah. Oh, and our, our wives are friends too. And we're all just one big, come on, man. One my of you lives in Steubenville and the other one lives in Baylor. Come on. We're like, we're like, my wife will beat up your wife. Anyway, so Jason and I hang out quite often and we'll, we'll, we'll go, we'll crash an RCIA. We've been known, we've been known to crash an RCIA. Dude, that, that was, that was one of the best talks I've ever heard. But yes, we it went was. to, we went we to RCIA, RCIA and they're like, they're like, we'll y'all interested in becoming a Catholic? Party. We don't yeah. care. Um, yeah. They're like, are you interested in being Catholic? Uh, sort of. And I was like, no way, Jose. <laughs> um, but yeah, so anyway, we, I took him to Korean. I told him to go get Korean fried chicken. We went and got Korean fried chicken which was amazing, but and, they wouldn't let us eat inside and kimchi fries. Yeah. They were very racist. They would not let the, the only two white guys. There's like a, there's like a whole table full of Korean <laughs> people sitting there eating. And then we get in there like, you know, you can't eat in here. Right. Like, they, but, like Seriously. They're like, but, the, oh, but the, the, they're like, yeah, nope. No, they're like, we have like, a cleaning crew coming to clean the kitchen. We're like, but we're not, but we're not eating in the kitchen. Yeah, we're going to be up here. <laughs> 
Anyway, we still had a good time, but um, yeah. So I'll, we'll, we'll go get sushi. I know this. I know the spot. The, you ever been, have you been to Sushi Choo Choo? Yeah. Uh, no. I okay, haven't. that's pfft. okay. So let's, let's let's wind it up and head over. <laughs> listen, during this RCIA, during this RCIA, that there was two funny incidences to me that happened. They were both involved Mark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So I've got uh, actually that reminds me of another story that I want to tell you, but um, <laughs> we're there, mm. and, and when they ask us, oh, you you know, about our, since we were at the RCIA. It, it was at the ordinary at church uh, cathedral here in Houston. And they said, uh, they Mark's like, yeah, we're Catholic. We just want to hear this talk, you know, about the ordinary liturgies and the history and all that, which it was an amazing talk. Like, yeah, like seriously amazing. But anyway, Mark's like, don't worry. Well, you won't even hear from us. We'll just be in the back. We won't make a peep. Well, Mark sees somebody he knows, starts talking to him real loud. And the lady is trying to get everybody to be quiet so that, you know, for fathers, you know, once you get done eating dinner, father's ready in the in the church. And Mark is just being loud, like, oh, yeah, you know, she's trying to talk over him. And I'm like, so much for being quiet. I was excited <laughs> to be there. <laughs> and then we get inside. Everybody's asking pretty typical RCIA non-Catholic questions. Mark is over here like, so at the sack of Constantinople. Yeah, uh, I want to know how to how you claim that they're not in schism, but clearly at the Fourth Lateran Council, an objection was raised in the second session that said that <laughs> I don't know he literally had a question like that at one point, like similar to what was it? It was about the was it about the Orthodox? Because you no, asked him about, about schism. It was about something. Yeah, so there there were these there were these people in England after the Reformation happened after because. In those days, what church you belong to was not a matter of a personal choice. The king made that decision for you, basically. And there were a lot of English Catholics who were separated from the church for, for nothing of their own doing, right? So they're still yeah. going to these, they're still going to church every Sunday in a in effectively what is in a Protestant church in the you know the middle of the 1600s. But they themselves are like, I'm not on board with Henry's. Stuff. I didn't realize. I didn't realize and, they were that complicated. Sorry, but yeah, I yeah, yeah. It. And so my question was, were were those people in some type of schism or something like that? And his answer was no, because the the separation is not of their doing or their making, and there's nothing that they're doing that's causing the separation. They are sort of an unfortunate victim of circumstance here essentially so well that, let, you you didn't finish the whole thing because when he said that you were like i disagree they're in schism <laughs> i did not say that <laughs> and then i said and then i said you know what actually father you're in schism too and then i looked over at jason and i went and he's not doing too good either okay <laughs> well and then he also mentioned if you remember um that was it Queen Elizabeth that came on and she was basically like, you can do whatever you want as long as uh, you can believe whatever you want, as long as you're basically part of the church of England. I don't care what you believe or what you do. Yeah. And I had, I had a hard time with that because I, I always remembered Elizabeth the first as being a particularly, she was, she was very angry about what had happened to her mother. I'm uh, hoping Jane I'm hoping more. I'm hoping that that father gets permission to come on because he was yeah because I had father, some questions about that I I I my understanding was Elizabeth the first was a vehemently anti-Catholic woman but 
Yeah, but I'll, I'll say this: I'm not going to get in a, I'm not going to get an argument with father because he was well versed in this. You could tell. Oh no! I, and trust <laughs> no. me, it wasn't to argue with him. I don't no, know no, no, half no. of what I think I know. I just want to be clear. When I learn something new, I'm like, oh, so you're saying that this thing that I thought was true was incorrect? Yeah, that's dude, what I'm oh, cool. dude. Li listening to that talk like really excited me because it was I was learning a bunch of new stuff, and it, not only was I learning new stuff, it was father delivered it in such a way that for that whole hour your mind did not wonder a single second not a father millisecond. you were zoned in best he is the most charismatic catholic priest i've ever and i i say that not in the theological sense of charismatic but like he's captivating yeah. you know he's 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 not just uh, got good things to say he's well spoken and he's handsome. He, he and comes he's off as very likable. Yeah, you just, you just want to listen to what he's got to say. I'd love to have him and, on the show. And something interesting <laughs> that we learned about Father Huff and his dad, who was also uh, a, a priest, they both actually came into the church at the same time. They were both Episcopal priests, came into the church at the same time. They were the first father and son that were ordained at the same time since the the uh what the like the 1200s or something yeah, like somewhere that? like the middle ages or something yeah yeah, yeah. Which, which was pretty awesome yeah uh, but anyway and, I, I i'm hoping he gets you know he gets permission to come on because again we talked about hierarchy earlier there's a hierarchy he sounded interested he just has to so um, here's an interesting thing because you and i are fans of the ordinary and we, we we like that um that movement in the church very much and what they're doing mm -hmm. but we're also big promoters of the mandatory celibate priesthood, which is not a thing in the ordinary. The ordinary it does have, they are, they are technically Latin right Catholics. Okay. So they're not part of the Eastern church. They are part of the Latin church, but they're not part of the Roman right. Um, yeah, but, but they can't <clears throat> correct me if I'm wrong. I think if they, from my understanding, if they come in and they're married, yes, but they can't like, uh, right. I can't, I can't grow up in the ordinary and say, I want to be a priest and then get married like that. Right. Like and I think it's that's, basically a conversion. Type it's deal. also the case with the Orthodox too. You can, if you are a married man, you can be ordained to the priesthood. But if you're a priest, if you're celibate, when you become a priest, you can't get married. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And I, and I don't, and, and I think some Orthodox churches don't allow married bishops anymore. They used to, but and, they don't. and, and father or uh, not father Bishop Lopes, uh, I've heard a couple of his um, homilies there when they do the, the you know when he's mm -hmm. the presider at the mass. He he has some really good homilies too. Is the is Bishop Lopes married? I don't know. I don't think so. Mm -hmm. Um, let me look. I think I read about him one time. I don't think he is, and I don't even know that he. And I might be wrong, so take this with a grain of salt. Yeah, that's but why I don't, I wouldn't I don't need think to have some ordinary priests on here because I, I don't so think he came. I, I don't think he came in from the Anglican side. I think he was already Catholic, but he was put basically over that. He was appointed over. So, what do you think about them having a married priesthood? How does that? How does that sit with you? <clears throat> I mean, to be honest, it really really doesn't bother me too much. It doesn't especially, bother me either because that's, that's their tradition, right? They're not innovating anything when they do that. That no, is it's not a, it's, yeah, it's not a, that's a tradition in their right. Okay. And so therefore I think that's fine. What I'm not, what I'm not a fan of is that, well, they, they do this in the East. So let's do it in the Roman, right? You know, that kind of stuff. 
let's keep the rights distinct and 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 so that that way you can celebrate their fullness and the fullness of their enrichment it doesn't say that <laughs> bishop lopes is anywhere that he's married i don't know he, might I, he may be. be but but I, but he went to the gregarian university he has the degree from there well then he's probably not only <laughs> married he's probably a modern no, i'm kidding <laughs> he's probably fine but like i i think in the roman right <clears throat> priestly celibacy is the most visible sign of roman right priesthood to get rid of that i believe would be catastrophic yeah and no, i don't I, think it I, would have that much of an impact really i don't because... want to get rid of it no no and, and yeah. i agree with i agree with margo here <laughs> i i support priestly celibacy but i'm also not gonna uh downgrade or downdress ordinary to stuff like that because they have married priests right because we can't be holier than the church yeah, the I mean... church has made the distinct the church has made the and like we just read in in Peter fifteen twenty eight, the church has the authority to make decisions alongside the Holy ghost. I don't have that kind of authority. <laughs> yeah. You know, so yeah, I'm not going to second guess the church's wisdom in allowing in certain cases, uh, married priesthood. I'm not going to do that, but I, I also agree with the church's wisdom that the norm, right. Should be, uh, sold it. I'll allow it. <laughs> I'll right. allow it. Mar- that's right. The norm should be celibate priesthood. So. Well, I'll say this is that um, I know a lot of one of one of my biggest beefs or gripes or whatever with Latin Rite Catholics is the down dressing that they do to the Eastern rites, like with their traditions and whatnot. Okay, well, you I understand if you don't like it or you don't agree with it or whatever, but sometimes certain groups, and I'm not saying it's a big group of people, but a smaller group of Latin Rite Catholics seem to, like I said, just bash the Eastern rites and their traditions. And I'm like, dude, some of these traditions are older than some of the traditions you practice. Yeah. Like, like, like they're very ancient traditions that were handed down from, from the apostles, St. John Chrysostom, St. Basil. These are very old traditions that uh liturgies and, and by the way they're not they don't think that we should adopt their uh liturgical customs they're not they're not out there saying yeah you latin guys should have married priests like we do they're, yeah, they're they, saying you know the the rights need to be kept distinct and we're yeah, still and one church but we need to obey the the disciplines of the of the right that we are subject to. And as a Roman Catholic, <clears throat> and I'm under the jurisdiction of the Roman right of the church, I I should submit to the to the litur- to the legitimate liturgical traditions of the Roman right. And I'm sorry to say, in my opinion, and I also this is also a shared opinion with Dr. Peter Kwasniewski, what passes for the Missal of Paul VI is not the Roman right. It's just, you know, you can you can take somebody to a to a basketball game and call it baseball the whole time. And you can put a gun to that person's head and say, you better call this baseball. They may even call it baseball. You're still at a basketball game, right? Reality has not changed just because you have deluded yourself and forced other people at gunpoint into validating your delusion. The missile of Paul VI is so substantially different. I do not see how it can legitimately be called be called a continuation of anything like the Roman Rite. I'm not saying it's not valid. I'm not saying it's not licit. I'm not saying you're a bad person if you go to it, but it's not the Roman Rite. Yeah. I, I and I don't see 
how it could possibly be. Because Paul, because uh, today's feast is actually the feast of Pope St. Pius V. And if any of you follow my, my Twitter, I've been tweeting out Quo Primum, different sections of Quo Primum all day, because it's pretty clear. Valid henceforth, forever, now, and in perpetuity. That does not mean until 1970. Because if he really meant until 1970, he would have just written until 1970. This, this constitution is valid until 1970. And then we'll make it up as we go along. But he doesn't say that. He says, this missile, no one can ever be punished for using this missile by anybody in the Catholic Church. That's what Quo Primum says. It was written in 1570. Yes, Batman Moses is Mark. Um, it's an old Twitter account that Anthony gave me. But 1570. It wasn't called Batman Moses. The Pope of the Catholic Church says there's a lot of different rights in use out there. There is this one right in use by the Curia. We've been using this here in Rome for a while. Okay, you guys see this thing? Boom. This is the Roman right of the mass, because this is what we use here in Rome. And if you're subject to the Roman right, this is what this is the mass you're going to say. He didn't get rid of any other rights of mass that were older than 200 years old. In fact, he specifically makes allowances for those in quote premium. But he's quite clear. This is the mass and nobody in the Catholic Church can be enjoined or punished for using any missile other than this one forever is what he says. And we all have to pretend like that's just not controlling law anymore. Like when he said, there's no clearer way he could have made it. He wasn't even ambiguous. He didn't just say forever. He said, so I'm clear. Henceforth, now and forever in perpetuity, can, can I give you any more adjectives? Can I give you any more similes that mean forever? And no matter how many he gave, the modernists are like, yeah, he said forever 23 times, but if he'd have meant it, he'd have said it 24. Well, let, like, me ask what? You, let me ask you this. <laughs> I've heard, let me ask you this. I want to see what you say, because I've read this from uh, other sources as well <clears throat> during this school premium, premium debate. Sure. That does did uh Pope Pius V, St. Pope Pius V, did he when he wrote this? Is it under did he have the authority to even bind that and restrict future popes who, who are of the same authority in, in ecumenical councils? Because, because what I've read from other sources, they said <clears throat> no, like that saying that individuals can't change it because also. You know, at the time, there was also a lot of liturgical abuses and, you know, experiments and stuff going on. I mean, that's kind of sure. That's kind of the history of the church. It's always happened at places and whatnot. Right. I mean, maybe maybe worse at sometimes than others, of course. But but that he was saying that the argument is that he is saying that people and priests and and stuff like that cannot change the liturgy. But that doesn't necessarily restrict the future popes who's of the same authority that he has or even ecumenical council. What's your response to that? My response would be, first of all, Pius V isn't changing anything. He has not written a new, a new rite of mass. What he all has right. done is published a new missal using the rite of mass that has been in use for almost a thousand years, 1500 years by the time this is written. 
by the Roman Curia. So the Roman Curia in Rome uses the missile that you and I go to every day. That, that missile became the Roman Rite. And all he did is codify that and say, this missile, which we've all been using here in Rome for the past 1500 years, this is going to be the Roman Rite. This is the official Roman Rite, this one right here. Um, what they did at Vatican II is, or I should say, after Vatican II is very different. Now, you're right. Ecumenical councils do possess a tremendous amount of authority in, in, the, in the Catholic Church. But here's the point to remember. Vatican II did not write the Novus Ordo Mise. It didn't promulgate the Novus Ordo Mise. It didn't call for the promulgation of a Novus Ordo Mise. Not at all. Good point. So that that that's point number one there. Number two, what he says in the document, yes, he mentions priests, deacons, cardinals, bishops, and then he goes on to say, no one of any ecclesiastical rank whatsoever. That's pretty. Now, see, we all have to pretend like that's really ambiguous language and it's, oh, I just can't figure this out. And But see, that's because we're not, there was once a time, folks, when the Catholic Church wrote clear documents. Can you imagine it? You, when you, there was once a time. Let's go back to the very distant past. Diddly-doo, 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 diddly-doo. When you picked up something that the Catholic Church had written and you put it down, less confused than when you went into it. Is that? No way. No, it, it used to happen. Yeah, seriously. You haven't known this in your lifetime if you're younger than 50 years old. Because nowadays, you know, you ask the Catholic Church a question like, you know, is sodomy immoral? And you'll get... It is important not to get bogged down in questions of, of moral theology and rigidity, but instead we must love all people and seek for a more equitable distribution of the resources of the world. What? 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 You didn't answer the question. Yes, we did. And we're not taking any further questions. I know that's the way most of us, per we think that it's always been like that, but there was once a time when Catholic documents actually said something and we just can't wrap our heads around that anymore but go back and we read coprima it's only difficult to understand if you think about it as a person of today in which words don't mean anything but if you go into this document a five-year-old knows what coprima means it's only after 40 years of being educated by modernists that you can't read that document anymore Anyway, that was anyway. It. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to get. I don't want to get bogged. I'm going to be quite honest with you. I don't want to get bogged down too much in liturgy because too late. No, I'm just saying because <laughs> it seems like there's just so much negativity in these debates all the time. And, it is, and I, and, I didn't mean to and, take it there. No, I'm no, sorry, no, guys. no, no. That's actually something I kind of want to mention too. Is just you know, it, it's just constant negativity. It almost seems like with these liturgy debates and wars and stuff and i'm not saying they're not necessary they don't have a time and place i'm not saying that yeah but I sometimes but, 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 but sometimes like the, the abstract i think we i think we and i say we in a, in a broad sense i think we harp on it so much that 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 when the times it comes when it's you actually need to have these discussions people are already tuned out because they hear they're it non-stop yeah exactly now let me tell you this story moving on you pay. You go now. <laughs> Going back to Lou. If she, I don't. I don't know. If, I don't. I don't know if Lou is still on. But if she's still on, 
I was gonna. So when me and my wife were dating, we went out to eat at uh, Hunan Garden, a Chinese restaurant, um, with some friends. <laughs> and uh, being the good gentleman that I am, you know, I paid for my date's dinner. <laughs> and we go, we go out and uh, yeah, uh, we, we go up and pay. And uh, the lady's like, so it was a split check. She's like, what did you have? And I said, um, well, I had. I think probably General So's chick. That's usually what I get. I go, I had General So's chick. She goes, you have egg roll? And I go, yeah. I was like, yeah, I have an egg roll. And, and I also had the General So's. She goes, you have one egg roll? And I go, yeah, I, I had one egg roll. And I also had General So's chicken. Okay, so one egg roll. And I go. I love that you're <laughs> doing the accent too. That's the best part. I'm starting to laugh. I'm starting to laugh at this point. Like, and my friend is next to me and he's starting to laugh. Too. And I'm like, I'm like, yes. Yes, I had an egg roll. And she goes, okay, so one egg roll. I go, yes, one. And, and I said, General Sos chicken. She goes, okay. And I go, and uh, she had pointed to my my wife at the time, girlfriend. I said, and she had, she goes, does she have egg roll? And I go, <laughs> yes, she had an egg roll. And, and she goes, okay, so two egg rolls. And I go, yes, two egg rolls. Okay, I put a third on there if you want. I don't care. <laughs> I mean – my my friend walked out the door because he was falling over laughing, and, and I was like, That's "Okay, good. so I was like, two egg rolls, General Tso's chicken, and wh- whatever she had." She goes, "Okay, so only two egg rolls," and I go, "Yes, two egg rolls," and I'm like, "Dude, apparently these egg rolls were in high demand. <laughs> they were a, they were a high a high revenue a high revenue product because she was making she wasn't worried about the meal. She wanted to know." Are we accounting for all of our egg rolls? There's an egg roll thief somewhere out there. <laughs> <laughs> but it was just the weirdest thing that, uh, dude, you know, that I've ever you, had, come- you know, you had more than one egg roll, man. Don't even oh, lie. Margo, mass of the ages. Yes. And you know what Mark said uh, recently? I think you did you say it on Twitter? Massive. What are you about the- to say? I don't, I don't know. Ma- you're not controversial on Twitter. Like your your whole Twitter presence and the way you go about it is pretty funny to me. I'll tell you. <laughs> My whole so, Twitter persona is I don't get Twitter. I don't understand it. But anyway. You no, like everybody's yelling and arguing and getting caught up on this drama, and Mark's just going about his business. Like there's a fire around, and Mark is like, Oh, here's uh look at this cat. And everybody's <laughs> like, Yeah. But uh but the he cats are perfect. Mark Mark tweeted the other day, I believe it was you tweet. You said Mass of the Ages and Nefarious are the two most important films you've seen. Yeah, yeah. Mass Recent, and Mass of the Ages. Time. And I, you know, I really thought episode two was gonna be the barn burner that was just gonna blow because that's what I get into is the the, the Vatican two stuff and everything. But really, episode one is is still my favorite. That story about that woman going through that um it's just tragedy that, you know, her husband died of that, that, that illness and her, she was left behind with these kids and everything. And in the midst of just that tragedy and that pain and that anguish, she was able to find some peace and dare I say a little bit of hope in, and in, of all things, the Catholic liturgy, the Catholic mass, what a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing. And the people at America Magazine thought that that was a problem for them to solve. I'll never forget that. I I, I look different. Like, you know, I used to think America Magazine, yeah, you guys are different than me, but 
You, know, you don't have to think just like me in order for me to like you. But after I saw that, I was like, you guys are sociopath it's just, alert. It's just it's just an agenda. No <laughs> matter no matter what mass of the ages put out, they were gonna write some some negative review on it. Episode um, three is in post production. Oh, I'm so excited. Um Margo, whisp start start whispering in Cam's ear about coming on Tradmen now. Get right. us some get us some tickets to a premiere. Bring the premiere to Houston. Margo, we'd love to have him on the show to talk. We had him on to talk about episode two, and it was a great episode. I he's, know he's too. Super- he's too. He oh, look at this. Look at this. He's no, too. Sarah, are you are you are you going to tie? Are you going to tie some some woman to a railroad or something? What are you doing? <laughs> he's too. He's too high fluting for us now. Well, if 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 he will, or no. You know, yeah, I, we, we'd love to have him back on to talk about episode three because I think Mass of the Ages is a very important. If he uh, doesn't, pro- we're going to uh, put a jihad pro- on him too. Yeah, we're going to put a jihad on him. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think Mass of the Ages is an incredibly important film. If you haven't seen it, it's go see it right now because so I've often, I, I used to think when I was you know younger, the, the traditional Latin mass, the Roman rite of the mass is so visually and auditorially stunning. This would make for great television. Notice, I remember thinking that. I notice thinking, how, I know notice how her tone changed when I threatened <laughs> with the jihad. <laughs> no, see her tone went. Yeah. Yeah. When you were asking, but since I'm her favorite trad man, she's like, okay, I'll see yeah. what I can do. You know what? I'll settle for Jake. Jake Jake is not a bad settle. Jake is a very intelligent person. I like Jake. Yeah. Um, But anyway, but yeah, I I just think it's an incredibly important film and it, it was able to lay out all of those things that we love about the Latin mass, because I think I, I, I'm not so much a rubrics guy. I don't, I know it sounds like I get really into the minutia of, I like this rubric instead of that. And I like it because the Mysterium Fide is in the consecration versus that. That's not really the stuff I get into. I like um, what the, what the Latin mass means to us as Catholics, the connection that it gives us to 2000 years of apostolic tradition that is directly related to us that we receive directly. I know our parents, for some reason, felt like they wanted to, uh, you know, get rid of all that. And they still feel like that. To this day, they still feel like getting rid of everything their parents did was the greatest achievement they ever they ever uh, did. But we feel very differently. But, you know, and, and, and well, I, yeah. You, you know what's funny about the way we do our show? Is hmm. I had, I had, um. I had a couple of things, like just kind of jokes or stories or whatever I was going to tell. And Mark's like, amen. All right. Now the SSPX. Let's get into the hot <laughs> debated topics. <laughs> so what, what I was just thinking about something. You know, well, one of the things I was going to mention at the beginning of the show is when we started this podcast, we we quite literally thought we were just kind of be talking to each other which was fine and i didn't think that we would be going this long because i thought wouldn't be that much interaction we you know it wouldn't be that good and when we hit 100 viewers or subscribers i mean on youtube like i we was did like, a whole episode on that i was like i was like it's unbelievable i like i never in my wildest dreams that i think we would get even close to that and i know our channel is my you know very 
minute, small to a lot of the channels out there. But you know, we're over. We're we're just over halfway to a thousand. And yeah. never in my wildest dreams would I have thought that we would be this have this many subscribers. And you know, it's just just a thank you to like all the people that actually take the Absolutely. time to listen, subscribe, and, and and do all that and hang out with us. Like. I, I, I am I can honestly say that I am I am humbled by everybody that, that has subscribed, Definitely. everybody that has uh followed us on this journey because I know that I have um grown in my faith uh through this podcast, especially in the knowledge, but uh I've also learned a lot from people in the comments, from people that we've met, from discussions that we've had on other shows, and it's just I don't know. The journey has been quite amazing. And and what, what are we over a little over a year now or whatever? Oh no, we're, we're, we're into our second year now. No way. We're not in our second year. Yeah, dude. Our first episode, our first first episode was in August. It was in July of 2021. Was it really that far? Okay. Well, we're almost into, we're almost, we've almost completed our second year. Oh, okay. So I, I was looking at this. Let me tell you, I told I told you this story and I liked your response to it. Margo, I don't know if, if you're going to like this story, but I'm going to roll with it. <laughs> so <clears throat> I was listening to the Exorcist files based on Mark's and, and our friend Robert's. Um, my wife is actually watching. Oh, cool. Hey, Carissa. My wife should be one of my biggest fans. She's one of my least fans. <laughs> That's because she really knows you. Yeah. <laughs> um, Let's see. Episode one. Uh, let's see. Uh, episode one, August 8th, 20. Man, you know your stuff. So anyway, I was listening to the Exorcist Files. And uh, I, I, so I came home and I talked after the first two uh, cases, I talked to my kids about the dangers of Ouija boards, the dangers of tarot card reading, psychics, yoga, all these different things, because one of the one of the things that Father Martins mentions, who's who's the exorcist that that does the show, he says the number one, uh, I'm awesome like that. The number one way that demons uh, enter or possess people, even though it's rare, one of the main reasons or, or avenues that they possess people is uh, through a violation of the first commandment: "You shall have no other gods before me." So when you're doing Ouija boards, when you're doing psychic readings or tarot cards or or whatever the case may be, you are putting something else above God. And it only takes one mortal sin for a demon to possess, possess you. And he says, you know, we don't know why somebody can go to a psychic a thousand times and never get possessed. But the first time this person goes, they get possessed. We, we don't know why that is. We just know that it happens. Right. And so I was telling my daughter, I said, look, if you're, if you're ever at a friend's house or whatever, and they bring out a Ouija board, you immediately leave. And call us, and we're going to come pick you up. Because on one of his episodes, the firefighter, he didn't even play the game. He didn't even ask the question. They asked on his behalf. Yeah. He left <clears> because <throat> he thought it was – he got kind of scared, I guess, because he was eight. And that night he he became possessed. Because another thing that we've learned from the movie uh, – or that they well, mentioned it, it, the, didn't, it didn't possess him, but it, it, it demonically attacked. There was a demonic attack. Like it, a possession is when – 
no it takes over your body right? no but it, but it did on that firefighter because remember he would go at one point he would go days and oh, not the even fireman. Know he okay would, i'm thinking of a different fireman. story i'm sorry no I'm no sorry. no, no, right, no the right. fireman now right. the boy at eight did give give consent because when the demon asked him can i enter he said spoiler yes. alerts ahead guys sorry <laughs> yeah no 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 but but anyway so that kind of made me think okay tell my kids if if they're around you you need to leave so or if the game's around you, you just need to leave just get away and probably less than a couple minutes later, our hallway light flickers, like in the front, mm-hmm. by the, mm-hmm. right where we're telling the story. Nope. Not even joking. Nope. It, it flickers, right? And and my wife goes, Jason, did you see that? And I go, yeah, flickered. Because she's listened to more episodes than I have. And I said, like, I said, oh, it's just probably a coincidence. I said, we didn't give consent or anything like that. Like, we're not playing with spirits. We're just warning our daughter. She goes, yes, but one of the episodes was there was a flickering of the light, and they just dismissed it, and it actually ended up being real. And I was like, all right, I've got epiphany water. We're yeah. spraying around. Yeah. St. Michael prayer, Hail Mary, That's our Father. <laughs> and we, you bring and out I, the big and guns, and you bring them right away, man. I'm not <laughs> listening, man. He, tell, he texts me this story. It's like, what, 1030 at night or something like that? Yeah, like, yeah. Okay, I've got a full day tomorrow, dude. I've got to go to sleep. I haven't been able to sleep since Nefarious. What the heck are you doing to me, man? Yeah. No, as soon as the light light flitch, as soon as the light switch flickered, I would have, I would have looked at my daughter and been like, you already, you already played with one, didn't you? Look at, I did, Margo. I did that too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I went, I went. I went to the bathroom uh, later, like take a shower and get ready for bed and everything. And I was li- literally said it in Latin, the Hail Mary, the Our Father, and I was singing in nomine patris et filius. Yeah, you know the best of us yeah. can, but um, <laughs> but as far as I know, we're, we're fine. Like I don't think anybody's been been possessed. But um, but one thing that the movie Nefarious talks about and is confirmed in the Exorcist files is that you know, these demons, you have to give them their, your consent in some form or fashion, you know, and sometimes that consent may be, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the way I understood on the exorcist files, you may give a, a, a demon or the devil jurisdiction over you just by a mortal sin. So by your mortal sin, you could potentially be given consent, correct? Yeah, no, that, that, yeah, absolutely. In fact, uh, <clears throat> what the, what the father was saying is that, um, when you sin, you essentially enter into an agreement with the devil to, to conduct evil. And you're saying, okay, just this one time you and I are going to be on the same team and we'll do this. And you think it's, a, and, but you always think you can keep Satan in his little box. I'll have, I, I'll, I'll keep Satan in my life. Cause you know, he gets me to do some fun things every once in a while. Uh, and then I'll just go to confession and get rid of him. But, you know, I'll keep him, but I'll keep him in my little box. And that way he won't get out of control. And their spirits are not bound you're, by you're playing a game and you don't even know you're playing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I mean, and that's you're playing, why you're going to lose. You're, you're playing with a being that is smarter than you, more powerful than you. Yeah. And everything else. And it, like, I, I know it's a metaphorical box, but you, but, their spirits and they they are not bound by space and time and they, they don't can, play fair and they're going to tell you oh no. yeah no i'll stay in my box i'll stay in my little box and they know all your weaknesses they know as father martin said they know you better than you know yourself yeah yeah 
And, and uh, yeah, I, I actually agree with what Margot said. Latin is more powerful against demons because precisely because you don't understand all the words. Now, stay with me here, folks. When you're praying in English, I think there is a certain sense where you start saying the words. I mean, and that's that that makes sense. When you pray in Latin, especially if you're doing something like driving out a demon, Jesus is doing this work. You're not driving out anybody. Jesus is driving out the demons. Mm -hmm. And the more you put it in hit, the more in your mind you understand that this is what Christ is doing. I am a poor and, and humble sinner. And but for the grace of God, I would be in the position that this individual is in. And I think Latin does that because you're you're saying these words not because they're what you would say, but because this is what the official language of the church has said to say. And that's putting a lot of trust in the church as the mystical body of Christ to exorcise this evil. And I, that that's very important to do that, I think. And in that episode uh, with the firemen, whenever, uh, whenever the guy, I can't remember his name, but when he went to confession at the very beginning and the demon started manifesting himself and that priest started praying and saying in the name of jesus of nazareth i command you to leave this person you know and he and they were having like a he was yelling at him you know they was a very like literally that that scene made me start sweating made made me my heart rate go up and like really like brought brought me to tears pretty much because it was i don't know like it was pretty powerful to me like here i, I know it was a reenactment but just to see that battle yeah, uh, between good and evil, right there, man. It was, it was, it was humbling. Let's just put it like that. Yeah, and actually, one of the things that I've started doing because I got a problem with road rage. I, I think maybe most of us do after COVID, but I particularly, I mean, I will just get so mad if you're. And and the thing is, I when I'm caught behind somebody who's going slow, boy, that just just enrages me. And I was confessing that to uh, one of the priests of the ordinary. And he was saying, you know, road rage is really about a disordered self-love. I thought, hmm, that's interesting. And he said, you're approaching this freeway. Like this is yours. And the every, and everybody else is just privileged to, to drive on your road. Well, I am a taxpayer, so it is mine. But <laughs> And he said, and he said, try this. When you're in that situation, just glance at the speed limit. What I found out was these people who are all going slow and driving me crazy, they're going the speed limit. So far from being far from having more rights on this road than everybody else does, I actually had fewer because they're obeying the law. There you and, go. It and so and he said, so when you feel this happening, because there are powerful demons who want to rile up anger and frustration and rage, rage is not a godly emotion. Right. There is such a thing as righteous anger, but rage is not a godly emotion. And so uh, I, I started saying, you know, uh, the Jesus prayer or some kind of prayer when I'm having those road rage incidents and I'm getting better. It's 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 helping. She does have a point. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it was interesting. I, I, I learned something about myself that far. I, I was the jerk on the road. I wasn't mad at the jerks. I was the jerk. So. <laughs> Anyway, I thought that well, was, interesting. but it, but it relates to your spiritual warfare issue because I've had to calm down, you know, understand what's happening is a diabolical thing. It's not good to be enraged like that. You know, speaking of being enraged and driving, let me tell you a story. Okay. 
Okay, so Mark is a big fan of golf. I play every now and then. I'm a frustrated amateur. That's how I describe myself. So <clears throat> years ago, <laughs> every time I tell this story, I can't help but laugh. Okay. Me, and a, me and a friend were playing golf, and we each had our own golf cart. <laughs> he, he drove off the course because he, um, you know, he had a ball off the fairway, yeah. and it was off by some trees and stuff. <laughs> And he goes over there and uh, parks his car, gets out, hits the ball, right? Yeah. Gets back in. He starts driving down the road. There's a big, like a big oak tree and there was a big thick branch coming across and he didn't know it hit the top of his <laughs> golf cart. <laughs> Most sensible people are going to stop say, oh, what's wrong? He's like, I'm going. And he like pushes it down all the way then. <laughs> that. <laughs> I love this. I love that you can't get through the story. That's the best part of it. He did a wheel. The branch made him do a back wheelie, <laughs> go up, ripped off the the, yes. the the golf cart, and he drives. And when he when he said he looks at me, he goes like that. I'm 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 rolling over laughing at this point. I'm like, dude, I help him take the. Room. Set it back on his golf cart. We we continue playing golf. This is the best uh, golf outing ever. How did I, where the heck was I when this was going on? Uh, a hole or two later, the, the marshal comes up and he's like, "Yes, he yes." He my friend, he goes, "Hey, what what happened to your cart?" My friend goes, "I don't know. The roof came off." <laughs> the marshal the marshal apologizes to him and is like. Oh, oh, I'll have somebody bring you another golf cart. <laughs> you don't know how much you don't know how much aside I wanted that to be like, is oh, he did that. Great. He did that. <laughs> yeah, that is great. Uh Lou, absolutely. Cart path only, please. Uh I have a story actually. No, I'm not gonna tell that story. Yeah, that's for another time. Okay. It's in an hour. We're in an hour and 30 minutes. We're going to wrap this thing up. We've Let's only see. got three folks in the, Let's so see. Oh, my wife okay. said, the exorcist files, the mood and affairs has really opened my eyes to the spiritual world that we're easily distracted from by just the everyday in your face living. It's scary, but so humbling. Very true. Very true. And Carissa was there with uh, my wife and Jason. And, you know, we all went to go see it together and we, <laughs> these four people walk out of this film. Well, first of all, there was a priest in there. Pretty much everybody in there is. Oh, if, if, it, something. if anybody wants to know who the priest was, Father uh, Michael Moses, the one that just yeah. uh, was all over the internet for doing like 350 hours of confession during Holy Week or however yeah, or long it like was. That. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, so he was, was in there. So, you know, we were all, we were all like this in the film. Yeah, we got it. But, yeah, we walked out of that. We were all visibly shook. I wore my Lady of Guadalupe shirt to it. I was like, you know what? I'm coming with something to this movie. <laughs> coming with something. Yeah, I should have. I should have. I almost stopped the priest and told him, where, where are you going? We're, we're doing confession right now. We're forming <laughs> we a line. And we need a, and we need a, we need a blessing. Yeah, I'll get you some more popcorn, but you ain't going nowhere. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a, and, 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 don't get me wrong, folks. I've been to my share of horror films, especially demonic possession films. Uh, they don't usually affect me. I usually have a good time at the horror movie because I look the, the, the horror movie is the one place where the characters you like the least get killed the first. It's just it's so satisfying. Well, you couldn't even take out your trash. 
Oh yeah, I the, I came <laughs> home from this. I had to take the garbage out because it was garbage day, and like <laughs> it's dark and it's quiet, and the wind blew, and the trees rustled, and my spirit shot out of my body <laughs> and ran around the neighborhood fifty times, and then came back into me, and then I went back in the house. Um, terrifying. So. Yeah. All right, it's an hour and 35 minutes. I'm tired. I'm going to go to bed. Guys, this was fun. Thank you so much uh, for for joining us. Good night, everybody. We love you all. Um, And remember, take care of yourselves and take care of each other. Life is hard, but it's harder when you don't pray the rosary. Any parting thoughts, Jace? No, just God bless. Everybody have a good weekend. Oh, a couple things. We're terrible at self-promotion. Like, subscribe, and share. Yep. we must decrease so he Every, can increase. Everybody needs to go out and grab one friend. It's, it's basically a Ponzi scheme. Grab one friend. <laughs> and we'll get subscribed. And then and uh the other thing is Monday, we have all we're gonna have author uh Casey Chalk. Now it's not a live, it's gonna be pre-recorded, but uh we'll try to get it out, you know, as quickly as possible after that. But Casey Chalk is coming on. He uh one of his books he wrote is um uh it's the persecuted. called the persecuted and yeah. it's about Muslim persecution or I'm sorry, Christian persecution in Muslim lands. And it's specifically about the, the persecution that uh, Catholics have uh, been on the end of by Muslims in Pakistan. Fantastic book and, and everything. So he's going to come on. He's going to um, talk to us about that. So be on the lookout for that. And uh, anything else we got in the works right now? I, I'm actually, I love this idea that, that Tradman is an, as a Marty level marketing scheme. Hey, we can put that on a shirt or we, <laughs> we can put sure, that on a shirt or mug. We sure could. We sure could <laughs> just draw a little pyramid. Yeah. <laughs> and then we, we, we lay out Tradman at the top. <laughs> yeah. Your first, your, your, the first class you take only costs $300. And in that class, we will teach you how to get rid of your thetan levels. You know what? We're going to start our locals, except our locals will be a $300 entry free. And then for every person you get, your your subscription will go down by 50 cents each year. Think about that. Think about that's a heck of a deal right there. You can't pass that up. You get enough. Well, you get 600 people to subscribe. Your subscription is free. Did I do my math right? As Anthony would say, it's an offer they can't refuse. (laughs) All right. All right, team. We're going to head out. Y'all have a great night, great weekend. Love you guys. Take care of yourselves and take care of each other. God bless you, and uh, we'll see you next time. All right. God bless.